Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Just because God had made this incredible victory, and this public statement, and Satan was defeated, Elijah may have thought this, well, I guess I put Satan on the run. How long do we put Satan on the run? Not for very long. Because the Bible says he goes about like a roaring lion, always, always, always looking to steal, kill, and destroy. Today, Pastor Mark shares a timely message on self-induced depression and the negative effects that come with it. He teaches that this kind of distress can set in when unrealistic expectations aren't met. He warns that if you're a Christian and you live by feelings instead of the truth of God's Word, you'll always be disappointed and wind up depressed. Now, it doesn't mean you can't have hope for the future. God's in control of everything. And he wants to do all that we can ask or think according to his will. If you suffer from this problem, there's a solution, and it's found by examining your heart. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 10, with his continuing study entitled, A Good Dose of Medicine. When we sin and we're in carnality and we do not ask forgiveness, when God points it out to us, that sin finds its roots in our lives and it begins to move toward our mind. And depression results. Now look at what he says. Look how it affected David. David says this, when I kept silent, about my sin, what happened? My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Do you remember we just read? If you've got a crushed heart, it's all day. What's he saying? Every morning he got up and God was saying to him, it's time to confess. It's time to get it right. Would you like to have a little joy today? David, would you like to be happy today? No. He just refused. So every day... And we look at David and say, well, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with us? Look at the next verse. For day and night, your hand, this is God's hand. God's hand didn't come down and press on his head. But he had this feeling, and notice what he describes. What did I tell you the Latin word meant? Pressed what? Look what he says. For night and day, your hand was heavy on me. I'm pressed down. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Not only did the strength go, but his joy went. So notice, well, why would God's hand be heavy on David? One reason. He wanted David 
to confess. You see, at the end of tonight's teaching, there'll be a number of areas where God will speak to you. This could be one. And I'm going to ask you at the end of tonight's service, if there's a sin that God has already brought to your heart right now, that you just get ready to confess it. And you know when you leave tonight, the joy of the Lord will return. That simple, but we're that stubborn sometimes. Now, I'm not going to ask you to name it. That's between you and God. That's not important. But when we do that, we, we just feel pressed down. It happens in our lives. Now, joy is related to obedience to God's Word. That's why we teach the Word of God. Now, I put some verses on the overhead for you so that you'll see this in John 15. And when, when you see this obedience, I want you to see what Jesus is trying to say to us. John 15.10. Let's turn to it. John 15.10. Keep your finger right there. I want you to see this because right by this, just write the word joy comes from obedience. John 15.10. We'll be back. Keep your finger right there where you were in Psalm because we'll flip right back. Look at John 15.10. Jesus speaking. Notice he starts with an if. He says this. If you obey my suggestions, no, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I obeyed, I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. So if I have, I remain in that relationship with God, if I obey his word, and, and that's all God was trying to say to David, David, you need to confess your sin. If you'll do it, guess what will happen? Well, look at verse 11. Jesus said, no, I've told you this. In other words, to obey God's commands, my commands. I told you this so you might have a miserable life having to obey God. See, a lot of us think that. I don't want to come back to church. Because if I come to church, i got to obey God. And if you obey God, it's a miserable life. That's another lie from Satan. Notice what it says. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete, or another word would be full. The way you know a person's joy is full is that their sins at this point have been forgiven. See, it affects me physically, it affects me emotionally, and it affects me spiritually. Now, turn back where you were in Psalm 32. We know David does confess. He finally owns up to what he did. Look in verse 2. Look at the first word, then. So he got fed up. Psalm 32. He got fed up feeling miserable after a year. He said, then I acknowledge my sin to you. Now, why would he acknowledge his sin to God? All sin is basically against God. See, it isn't just against another person. Sometimes it is, and we have to ask their forgiveness. But at the core of sin... It's against God. So David said, I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, it was a choice. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And look what happens. And you then forgave the guilt of my sin. So when I confess to God and mean it, God forgives. Well, after that happens... What takes place? We'll look back in verse 1 and 2. Same chapter. Blessed, David starts. Blessed, another word you can put there is happy or hilarious. You got it? 
Blessed is he or she whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Verse 2. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. In other words, sometimes we're in a funk of depression. As Christians, because we've sinned, it drained our joy. And when God puts his loving hand on us and says, hmm, it's time to confess, we go, I don't think so. And we remain. So that then goes inwardly. Finally, David said, okay, I'm tired of being depressed. See, an antidepressant will never cure. Listen, an antidepressant will never cure that. Even if you have an imbalance, chemical, it won't. Because the basic problem is sin. Sin can steal our joy. Now, I'm going to do something different, and I'm, I'm going to try to get through it. I think I can. I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to go through the, the life of Elijah. And I'm going to point, as we go through his life tonight, I'm going to give you a lot more things that steal joy. And I'm going to use his true story in the Bible as a perfect example of what happens in our lives. 1 Kings chapter 19. Now let me give you a, a little background to Elijah. For some of you that maybe never heard of him before in your life, you say, Elijah, who in the world is Elijah? Or some of you maybe remember from Sunday school, but it's been a while. Elijah was a great prophet for God. And he was having trouble with an ungodly king named Ahab. And he had a, a wife, and you'll know her, her character by her name, Jezebel. Okay? She was incredibly evil. And so here was Elijah, and he was a good prophet. Ahab and Jezebel had all these evil prophets, and they were in God's country. So Elijah decided, when God spoke to him, that he was going to combat this evil. And so they had this great, kind of like a shoot-off with fire. And I won't go into all of it tonight. But through all of this, Elijah came. God did this incredible miracle. The pagans came, and they tried to get this fire started, and whatever, in the wood, and whatever, and they couldn't get it to go, and they cut themselves and did whatever. And then Elijah just prayed to God. They poured more water on the fire, and God just came down and lapped up everything that was there. Supernatural. And you know, and old Elijah's kind of just strutting his stuff. Uh, you got to get this, because Elijah's going, any other questions, boys? Who's the real God? And he went out and destroyed almost all the pagan prophets. So he's on a big high. Huge high. Because God had come to his rescue. He is super prophet. Big with a big E, Elijah. And he, he is into it. Because God had ministered. It wasn't him, but it was God. But in chapter 19... We're going to see a whole different Elijah. This is right after this huge victory. We're going to see a different Elijah. We're going to see one that in his thinking, his words, his action, you're going to see the classical signs of depression. I was going to put all the classical signs up, but let me just, I'll just read them to you. And you'll see them as we go through. What are they? Withdrawal or escape? 
moodiness, apprehension, fear about little things, self-pity, feelings of worthlessness, a loss of hope, a loss of confidence, anger, irritability, painful, wrong thinking, and physical exhaustion. Those are the common signs of depression. You can look at any medical manual and see it. Let me go through them again. A withdrawal, escape, moodiness, fear, self-pity, worthlessness, loss of hope, a loss of confidence, anger, irritability, painful, wrong thinking, physical exhaustion. Those are just some. Now you're going to see that shortly after this incredible miracle, Elijah exhibits almost all of these. And as we go through... I think you and I are going to say, how could this great man of God, incredible man of God, get depressed? Well, let me remind you one thing as we get ready to go through. This will encourage you. The Bible says in the New Testament that Elijah was a man just like you and me. So when we read this tonight, even this super prophet was just a man. That's all we are. We're just men and women. So when you're going to see these things in Elijah, just don't go down and go, what's wrong with you, Elijah? Because we're just like Elijah. And here's often what happens. Right after a great victory, the enemy often comes. Doing well, eh? How are you? Watch this. So you and I need to be alert. Now, let's look at verse 1. Now Ahab, that king told his wife Jezebel, those evil rulers, Jezebel wasn't there when this miracle came. She didn't see all of the prophets killed. So Ahab was there. So when, when he gets back, he, he told uh, his wife everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So look at Jezebel's reaction. You, you can see who were the britches in this family. Watch this. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Eli Elijah to say, notice it wasn't Ahab. He, he wore the skirt, she wore the pants. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say this. Here's good news, Federal Express to you. May the gods deal with me. In other words, be it ever so severely. May they kill me if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, you killed my prophets? Watch me. I will destroy you. Now, one of the things that causes kind of depression in our life, getting down, is this, unrealistic expectations. I deal extensively this when I go through premarital counseling with people. What are you expecting your marriage to be? You know, and if they're really young and it's their first experience ever, you know, they're all smiles and I have to bring them down to earth a little bit and we go through. Do you believe it's going to be like that all your life? Oh, it's time to wake up. And we don't try to press them down. We just try to bring reality back. Because one minute after you're married, it's different. Something happens. And that real person of both of you come out. How many know what I'm talking about? That's exactly right. And then we need God's strength more than ever to get through it. And we do. Now... Just because God had made this incredible victory and this public statement and Satan was defeated, Elijah may have thought this, well, I guess I put Satan on the run. How long do we put Satan on the run? 
Not for very long. Because the Bible says he goes about like a rowing line, always, always, always looking to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, that doesn't mean I go, oh, he came to me again today. I can't enjoy my life. Satan's always after me. Not at all. Because I have God with me. Greater is he that's in me. But I'm not stupid. So Elijah probably thought, we don't know, but it could be very well that after this, he may have thought this. He had these expectations. Well, when Ahab and Jezebel see this, they're going to repent. The nation of Israel is going to get back together and everything is going to be perfect. Maybe those are his expectations. If that's what you think for this world, you have unrealistic expectations. This world is not going to get better, guys. This world is going to get worse. It's going to get worse and worse and worse until Jesus comes and takes us out of it. Then he's going to deal with the sin issue. And then eventually he's going to make it all brand new. But that's a ways off. His coming may not be a ways off, but that brand new one's a thousand and seven years plus. But it's coming. And it's coming. But it isn't here now. So we have to be realistic where we live. Now, if you and I live by these feelings that are unrealistic, instead of the truth of God's word, you will always be disappointed and also depressed because you have unrealistic expectations. Now, that doesn't mean I can't have hope for the future. I have tremendous hope for the future. And you remember the sermon, God size your future? That's God. He, he wants to do above all we can even ask or think. If you didn't get that tape, get it. Start playing it. But in all of that, we know there's warfare. That happens in our lives. We'll look at verse 3. As a response of this, this message, this email he got, Elijah doesn't even wait to pack. Look at verse 3. Elijah was what? Afraid. Just by word afraid there, put fear. And, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. So now we see in this great prophet, fear. God had previously directed him. God had been his source in the past that I don't even have time to go through tonight. He was the source of food at, with ravens and whatever. He did all kinds of miracles. And yet here, Elijah, he, he runs by sight, not by faith. When he faced the enemy and, and that fire was there, he operated totally out of faith. God, come down and just light this, light my fire. That's what he said. Burn it up. And it was totally by faith. But here, he gets this message from Jezebel. I'm going to get you, boy. And it'll be tomorrow. Pew! He's gone. You say, is that a bad thing? Yes, because God didn't tell him to go. He'd been directed all his life. Now he runs. Don't ever run from the enemy. And number two, don't run unless God says to run. The Bible says we're to stand. And after we've done everything else, we're just to stand some more. So he ran. Why did he run? Because of fear. That brings us to our next one. Fear and worry steal our joy. Fear and worry steal our joy. Think of tonight how many things we've worried about in the last few weeks that will never happen. And have we burned a lot of energy. Think about them. And if they do happen, what could we do about them? But we churn. We take the Pepsi, whatever. We just churn. We're worried. We're anxious. We're fearful. Sometimes you ladies are a little 
overly suspicious of your husbands. One day Adam had stayed out late just a couple nights, and Eve became suspicious and upset. She said, you're running around, Adam, with other women. <laughs> Adam says, that's unreasonable. You're the only woman on earth. <laughs> the quarrel ended and Adam went to sleep. He was awake in the middle of the night with somebody poking at his chest. He looked over and it was Eve. He says, Eve, what in the world are you doing? She says, counting your ribs. Come on, come on. All right, whatever. How many times does she want to count them? There ain't, there's nothing going to happen. Think about tonight. And, and we're all guilty. Think of all the things we've worried about. It's just drained the joy. Just foolish things that we've just worried about. And we couldn't do a thing about them if they even did come. 90% plus never even come. But we spend the time. And it just drains the joy out of our life. Listen to Proverbs 24. Just listen. 20 verse 24. A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his way? What Solomon says is this. If you and I know our lives are directed by God, even though we don't understand what's happening, we can simply have faith and trust in God. Because it's going to be all right. Now, I have to quit going, and you're going to see this in a minute, I have to quit going by my feelings. And I have to go by the faith that God gives me in his word. That's hard. But that's where I have to go back to. You see, listen to Proverbs 14.30. Just listen. A heart at peace gives life to the body. Wow. Well, look at Philippians chapter 4. Look what Paul says. When I look at this one, sometimes I get bummed out. The first part of it says this. Do not be anxious about... <laughs> Read that again. Don't be anxious about how many things? That's hard. Is that hard? That's hard. Oh, no, Pastor Mark, I'm perfect. Let's go back to the thing about sin we talked about back over here. That's hard. Look at Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your quest to God. So here's four little keys. Just write them down. Don't worry. Do pray. Do rejoice. And relax. You say, well, why do you say relax? Don't worry. Do pray. Do rejoice. Relax. See, the disease is fear and anxiety. This is the cure. This is the medicine you're taking. It's a biblical. You say, well, why do I need to relax? Look at the next verse. Verse 7. And the peace of God. I added to it with great joy, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your, circle the word, your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't ever run from the enemy if God hasn't told you to run. Pastor Mark just taught us that when you're tempted to bolt, God's Word tells you to stand firm. God will never let you down and He'll show up time after time. So be patient and place your hope in Him. Fear and worry steal your joy. So in times of attack, pray, rejoice, and relax. God is under control. Remember, if God's for you, then who can be against you? You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Besides Satan, your worst enemy is you. What better weapon could he have? Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark examines the problem of depression. While there are legitimate cases that need proper diagnosis and treatment, most are self-induced. It's a scientific and biblical fact that our spiritual condition affects our physical well-being. Make sure to tune in to learn what God's Word says is the cure. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting